opinionated as fuck. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Opinionated as Fuck. I'm Adam Butler. That's Pretty Little Danny. What's up, y'all? It's been a minute. A long minute. A long minute. But we back. We are back. Lots of news to talk about. It's almost the end of the year. It's about Christmas time. Are you in the the, uh, Christmas cheer? I'm really not. For some reason, I'm just ready for the year to be over. I'm not surprised you got the Christmas Why? cheer. I, got, I don't know. I just got that grumpy. You got a, you got a grumpy. That Grinch who stole the Christmas? Yeah, uh, you big old. Grinch who stole Christmas? Yeah, you a big, you know, holiday, Christmassy person. Before I have been, I feel like the anxieties of just the hustle and bustle and having to try to figure out what you're going to get and how much money you're going to spend, I'm kind of mm-hmm. over it. It's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. doing all of this for people I'm going to do stuff for throughout the year anyway. I'm not going to. Well, I've decided on this holiday, and I love the holidays. I'm I'm real corny like that. Like I am, I wear ugly sweaters. I'm. Oh yeah, I think I saw you. Aren't you attending or having an ugly sweater uh, event or something yes, like that? Yes, yes. The producer on um on MSR is having a ugly Christmas sweater party, and I will be attending. Okay, I have to go ahead and make a guest appearance. You should. You should definitely come. It's going to be great. You're getting the cheer. I'm yes. telling you. But I've decided this year because usually I am going to get like my little brother and sister and people like that out of the way. Cause they're young, you know what I mean. Mom or pop, whatever. But I decided this year, I'm gonna go ahead and give me a nice pair <laughs> of some type of Jordan <laughs> or Yeezy <laughs> or something. I am going to treat myself because I worked hard this year and I deserve it. Okay, yeah. ain't nothing wrong with that. I see nothing wrong with that. Good self, self care to end off the year. There it is. That's that's that. Yeah, self care to end off the year or selfishness. One of the two. Anyhow. We have a great show lined up for you guys today, man. Um, and again, we always appreciate everybody that tweets, IG comments, whatever. We had a couple of um, discussions going on on IG that people um, participated in. We appreciate yes, that. Yes, we do. We want to do more of that as well. Definitely. We will definitely be doing more of that, man. And we're going to have more guests on the show. You guys like what we have guests on the show. And we have a very special guest on the show today. Go ahead and introduce them, Danny. So we have um, the DMV's <clears throat> only uh, Forbes 30 under 30 candidate who I just happen to be related to. Talk to him. Um, we have Dior Ginyard here from the NFLPA. He's an NFL um, players manager. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good afternoon, Mr. Forbes. <laughs> We're going to call you Mr. Mr. Forbes, Forbes today. We're going to call him Mr. Forbes. How you doing, Mr. Forbes? Appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Here. Thanks for coming through, man. Um, a lot of things we want to talk to you about today, but but really we want to start off by by talking to you about you, man. You have a very interesting story. Tell us about this this path. How'd you How'd you get to where you are today, man? It's been a it's been a a crazy journey. So of course, started off with any with the dream that a lot of people, young young kids, have coming out wanted to play football. Mm-hmm. Daha Redskins fan. Yeah, hell to want, Wanted to play for the Redskins. Nice. Wasn't that good? Wasn't that fast? Big. It didn't work out <laughs> right quite quite too well. So ended up taking on a partial scholarship at a D three school. Okay. Didn't play my freshman year because I had tore my shoulder. Had, my senior year I had a labrum tear. Yikes. Set out that whole f- freshman year. Um, and so the day after this season was over, uh, me and a couple of my teammates went to play tackle football with mm. no equipment yeah. on the football field. Right? <laughs> it sounds dumb thinking saying it all out, but long story short, um, I played a little too aggressive trying to prove myself because I didn't play all year. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up running head on with another one of my teammates, knocked unconscious on the field, um, woke up in a helicopter being flown to a hospital in Pennsylvania. Wow. Uh, so I fractured my skull playing, fractured God. my skull. Um, and uh, basically had to get brain surgery. Wow. Um, and I say that 
that was probably the low point of this journey, but also a kickstarter a lot of things, a change that were I made in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went through quite extensive rehab, I would say months to years probably, um, of just dealing with the emotions that come with that, mm-hmm. um, not being able to play, trying to figure out what else I'm passionate about, what else I like doing uh, besides playing football. And so transferred to Bowie State, um, started taking on internships, knew that I couldn't play sports anymore, but I wanted to start working in sports. Right. Um, and so I uh, started taking on internships, you know, ch- um, changed my major, started focusing on communications as the area that I wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, so ended up uh, graduating from Bowie State in December 2011, um, ended up landing some internships at the same time, landed an internship with the Wizards, mm. with the Redskins, and then took on a full-time job at Lockheed Martin right mm-hmm. out of, right out of um, college. Mm-hmm. Uh, went and got my master's, too, at the same time. So... Uh, did that for two years, earned my master's, was interning in sports, trying to figure out what area I wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. And so about two and a half years in at Lockheed, I'm like, all right, look, I'm ready to work back in sports now. Let right. me see what's a good fit for me. I didn't want to leave the D.C. area. And so I go online, look at their website, and they had a position open called player development manager. Hmm. And the line, the first sentence said, the role helps players transition, current players transition to life after football. Wow. So I remember looking back at a newspaper, um, local newspaper in Bowie that did an article on me about my head injury and how I overcame that to graduate. Mm-hmm. And one of my coaches was like, I figured out through this time, through this journey and all the things that I've been through that there's more than life. There's more to life after football. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. So had a quote in there that <clears throat> said that in 2011. Fast forward <laughs> six years. Well, it was like four or five years later. There was a role that helps players with that. Mm. And so, yeah, my dreams was always to play football on Sundays. But now. I'm on this side. I like this side a lot better. So I'm, yeah. helping, uh, current, yeah. I'm helping current players out, man. Helping yeah. them um, go back to school, uh, get their, finish their school, finish, uh, get their degrees, pursue secondary education, um, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Helping them get internships, kind of helping them figure out what else they're passionate about and the steps they need mm-hmm. uh, and to pursue those. Because a lot of our guys will have to have second careers. And at the end of the day, I'm just making sure these guys get more than the field and what it, what it gets out of them. So three years in now, yeah. made it on Forbes. Yes, uh, sir. For the work that I'm doing, um, working with players. Um, and this is just scratching the surface at this point. Yeah. Definitely want to talk to you more about the Forbes thing. I know we, we're going to get to that in, in, in a few. Go ahead, go ahead, Dan. <laughs> no, I'm just curious to know um, how many people under your program, you know, give us some, you know, key players that we may know that you work mm-hmm. with, some of what they're doing, some of what um, you have in store for them, what you like to be working with them in the future. Yeah. yeah. So um, one of the programs that I oversee um, that I've been able to oversee for the past couple of years is our externship. So it's um, a three-week internship. Basically, it allows current players to get professional experience. A lot of these guys are retiring, and they don't have anything else that they're passionate about. They don't have anything on their resume. Literally, they've been playing football since Little League. And so through that program, they uh, we partner with several companies. A lot of them are locally in D.C., um, but we're starting to branch outside of D.C. where they take on players as interns for three weeks. And we put the guys up in corporate housing. We, we fly them out to the host company and legit it's not sitting in a cubicle or you meeting with executives all day. They're literally getting their hands dirty. They're getting mm-hmm. some hands-on experience. Um, they're working in marketing and sales or if it's on air. Um, and so we've been able to grow that program over the past three years. So last year we have 41 players across the NFL um, that uh, interned at 15 different companies. So the most we've ever had up until this point. Um, so that was huge. Number A couple of guys you may know, so K.J. Wright, Pro Bowl mm-hmm. linebacker with the Seahawks, Super Bowl yeah. winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was actually at our office. He wanted to learn about player development. Um, so that was cool to have him there. Awesome. Demar- Demario Davis, league mm-hmm. leading tackler right mm-hmm. now uh, with the Jets. Spent some time United Way. He wants to get into nonprofit. Mm-hmm. The three weeks he spent there, he actually ended up uh, affecting some of that business. So they changed their partnership with the NFL based on um, some of the, the recommendations he had. And then he was actually a keynote a speaker at one of their conferences. 
Um, and the list goes on. So, like I said, 41 guys last year. The, the program continues to go. For the past five years, we provided internship opportunities to 100-plus guys. Yeah, um, that's great. Yep. And some of them have actually gone on to uh, to actually work on the field that they interned in. So I got one success for it story before we move on. So mm-hmm. when I first started on the program, I worked with a guy named Jacquez McClendon. He was a lineman <clears> for the Jaguars, about seven years in the league. Knew he was like, yeah, at that time he knew he was a backup, knew his career was coming to an end. But he wanted to start figuring out now, at that time, what else he was passionate about outside of playing offensive guard, you know, mm-hmm. for, for in the NFL. Um, so he knew he had a passion for athletic administration. And so we had, through our externship program, he spent three weeks with University of Maryland's athletic department. Mm. Did that for three weeks, loved it, knew that's something that he wanted to get in, an area he wanted to get into. So he spent the next year and a half, two years, like just getting a little experience here and there. So a position opens up later, earlier this year, <clears throat> director of player engagement. So that's like, you know, working with players in terms of like what I do, but at yeah. the team level. Right. At, with the Los Angeles Rams. Nice. And they called him, interviewed him, they loved him, they brought him in. And oh, now, so I went out yeah. there. Yeah. And he was like, man, look, if it wasn't for you in the internship, I wouldn't even have this job right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's remarkable. Yeah. yeah. And so the stories that we're looking for. Definitely. You know why I think this is really important, this piece of the conversation, is that, and we talked about this on the mm-hmm. show before that, when we talked about college athletes and this and another, and sometimes I think that parents and young people, and whether it be in music, it could be in this industry, in the media industry, and when I was teaching, I had to tell, I, I tried to help my students understand that there's more than just being in front of the mic and being the star of the show, right? You may not be able to go to the NFL or the NBA, but you can still be involved in the exactly. sport, if you love the sport, you know right. what I mean? So that's why I th- I'm, I'm, I'm really encouraged by your story, bro, because you, you, you really did, you had those aspirations, you know what I mean? And you were, you were kept away from it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and one of the most, you know, in a, in a very dangerous, way mm-hmm. but you still are able to work around the sport that you love on a, on a high level it's people yep. that would love to work with with mm-hmm. you know their their favorite teams yep. right or players yep. you know yep. what i mean yep. and then it just provides longevity too i mm-hmm. mean we all know that um from past till now the window for a football player especially depending on what position you're playing is yeah. very 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 short yeah so we're talking about players being on their own and out of the league let's say 33 34 35 that's a that's a great career a great career. Let's yeah. go backwards, but you yeah. have a whole hell of a lot of life to live. Yes. What do you do after? And like you yeah. said, to your point, not everybody's fit for a nine to five mm-hmm. or a cubicle mm-hmm. or trust mm-hmm. me, that's me. It ain't that damn fun. Yeah. It pays the bills. But for yeah. guys that, you know, have played from three on mm-hmm. and to now be out of, you know, mm-hmm. their career and their yeah. dream job, what do you do next? You don't want them to right. feel like they don't have right. that because they can't play anymore, that they still can't be involved. And this is a great way to highlight how you can mix mm-hmm. the two yeah. and where you're actually on the better side of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that's what, so on the player side, that's why I tell all current players, just expose yourself. Like you really don't know what else you're passionate about until you jump into it. Right. Yeah. And so say you do three weeks at ESPN radio, you do mm-hmm. after three, she's like, I ain't no way I'm working on radio. Well, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Right. Now that's one thing you can cross off your list of trying. Right. And then let's figure out what else you're passionate about. We're hoping that during those t- the times you spend at these companies, that's one something piques your interest. Maybe you think you can do on air, but maybe there's mm-hmm. the cameraman or yeah. the TV production. Run the board. And then on the and, and looking at um young kids that had aspirations to make it to the highest level. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking at stats alone, two percent of high school football players make it to the NFL, right? Yep. It's it's not about like you're at this point when you make it to that when you when you're in high school and middle school and you, you know you have those aspirations, you could be more than a football player. Mm-hmm. Like football player, it, being a football player is not what your identity is rooted in, right? It's a profession, mm-hmm. and so yeah, you can have aspirations playing NFL, but what else are you passionate about? Like mm-hmm. the NFL average NFL career span is three years. Like mm-hmm. you have the rest of your life yeah. to plan for. Like what are you doing to prepare for that part, right? Absolutely. And so um, that's why I'm 
honored to be on that list, that Forbes list, because, you know, I didn't make the list as an athlete. I made mm-hmm. it as somebody that's working, you know, in, 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 in the industry. Yeah. I still love what I'm doing. Uh, I still get passionate about passionate about it. But it, I can share, I can run it on the platform that you can make a list like this. You can reach the highest level. Uh, and you can still uh, reach your career aspirations mm-hmm. by not just playing the sports. There's so much other things you can do. And so that's what uh, kind of what I want to share now yeah. that I have, you know, been on this list. So, you know, one more thing before we before we talk about you and how it feels to be, you know, top 30 and, 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 and on the Forbes list and all this. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, you look at athletes and you hear the whole, oh, they the modern day slaves and this, that, another. And, they, and, and so did this idea that, you know. Once you go in, and it does not just football, any pro sport, once you get in there, you're just being used. Mm-hmm. They don't care about you, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Talk to me about what you guys on your do on your side to prepare NFL players beyond the, the extern in, mm-hmm. um, internship. It's just about helping them with their money programs that yes. you put them in. Just talk to us about what, the, what, what happens when the pro player goes, turns, when a player turns professional. Yeah, so, I mean, we're a full service union, mm-hmm. right? Number one union in all the sports, and that's because from the top down, from our leadership down, from D. Smith down, he preaches three things. We offer players support, mm-hmm. uh, solidarity, and, and world-class service. And so looking at that, that's rooted in everything that we do. So you look, they, these guys have access to financial resources. Yeah. So we have a financial service provider that literally guys can call to, create, to sit down one-on-one to create a spending plan, to mm-hmm. get um, investment tips. You can call them as a second opinion. Hmm. The resources are there, and it's free. Going back to school, these guys get $20,000 each league year to go back to school to finish their degree. Wow. Right? Utilizing the resources. Again, we're a player-run union. So whatever needs the players have, Mm -hmm. we have to meet that, right? Mm -hmm. And so there are a number of programs that we have. um, And half of my role, I talked about what I do in, like, the career and education space. Mm -hmm. But the other other half of my job, I'm onboarding uh, rookies. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I'm there myself along with two other individuals are their point person when they come into the league, right? Mm -hmm. So you think about HR onboarding when you get a job. Yeah. Like you sit in that, you the PowerPoint. <laughs> Imagine that one person working with you through the entirety of your first three years in the league. Yeah. So I have that responsibility. So now I take the pressure off them to have to figure out, okay, I'm relocating. Right. Um, I'm trying to make a roster. Yeah. I'm trying to make sure my benefits are taken care of. Right. You actually have somebody that can literally assist you with that, like a liaison, mm-hmm. one person. So we have a number of programs, resources. At the end of the day, we want to offer players world-class service, solidarity support. We want players to fill that. Um, and so we're doing it to a best of our ability. Um, is there work to be done? Yes. Um, but that's 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 the great part about about the job, right? It's ever-changing, and we're mm-hmm. ready to meet players at, at the, the individual needs that they have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this Tuesday, December 12th, um, the Forbes magazine will be coming out. Let's talk a little bit, um, you know, about your experience. How was that? <sighs> it's, it's the been, Forbes. It's been um, – <laughs> it's been uh, – uh, humbling two and a half weeks since I know I found out that I made the list um, from people reaching out from high school principals, vice principals, old teachers, professors at Bowie State, the president of Bowie State, reporters, journalists. I think I'm you know I'm humbled at the amount of support that I've gotten, and just looking at the fact that you know born in Prince George's County, living in Prince George's County, going to high school in Prince George's County. Um, and going to college in Prince George's County, I'm glad that I can represent all that's great about, you know, the DMV and more specifically uh, the area. Um, got a chance to go up to New York, to ring the NASDAQ closing bell. Had no idea what the hell that was, but I know <laughs> it's super important. There wasn't a lot of guys looking like me, if you know yeah, what I mean, buddy. up there. And yeah. so it was but just – that says a lot. Know, yeah, it was good just to be in that. And I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity as well. It was just good to be in that, you know, in that space with other people that have been honored on the list. 
And it's kind of like, I feel like the chip is off my shoulder. Like, I've had this grudge and a motivation of proving mm. everyone wrong or what the world would say about a guy like me that grew up without a father, mm. that got, you know, a severe injury, that went to HBCU, all the stereotypes are, are surrounded around that, you know, carrying that weight. And that's what got me up in the morning. And that's what, you know, got me taking on internships while pursuing my master's, while yeah. working a full-time job, like – those are the things that will motivate you. And so I think through all of this, it's like, all right, now I feel like relieved. Like yeah. I've made it to a point where I'm happy at what I've accomplished with my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm just ride this wave out, man, and see where it takes me. That's a really important point. Definitely personally, you know, and, and as a black man, as black people, you know, there's that pressure. And I, I don't, you know, we don't get too heavy handed with, with the, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the, the point you make about like, Feeling that pressure to prove yourself in that arena and saying like, yo, I'm when you look around, I'm the only one that looks like me in this mm-hmm. room. And again, the idea that there's only white men overseeing all of these players, you know, what I mean, yeah. how important is it just for you to be a bit of a sea change yes. for even the players? Yes, it's, it's it actually works in my favor. Right. Mm-hmm. So I used to like so with my brain injury. I have a scar on my head that I used to, like, never cut my hair down because I'm like, I don't want nobody seeing it. Mm. But it's, like, it, it's crazy now that I love it because it it reminds me – two things. It reminds me – it keeps me humble. It reminds me where I came from. Absolutely. And then, two, it's, like, it's almost like transparency and authenticity to my story. Mm. Like, I, can, I, can, I, can't, I, can, I can't relate to guys because I've never played professional football. But what I, what I can relate to is just transition in tough times. And mm. I got a scar to prove it, right? Right. And so the authentic, authenticity in that – um, it's helped me just engage with guys. Like you don't have to be a foreign player to just engage with guys. Like I engage with guys, engage with guys off the strength of just being transparent and letting them, letting them know who I who I am, mm. sharing my story with them. And it's like, look, I'm here to help you. Like I'm one person in your ecosystem mm-hmm. that is li- literally offering you something. I don't want anything from you. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm very passionate about what I do because at the end of the day, I'm basically helping these guys transition in through and be and out of the league, right? Right. And it's all transition. Transition, transition of any nature is difficult. Yeah, man. And I dealt with that transition, hitting rock bottom, literally on my back on a football right. field, not knowing if I'm going to see tomorrow. Right. To to being where I'm at now, and so, you know, helping guys through that transition, I love. I'm passionate about it. I love it. So that's beautiful, man. Great story. Incredible story. A really good story. That um and and I think what makes it even um more important not because we're actually related but the fact that you are young and it just gives other guys that look like you that can touch you that are from this area to say okay this is someone that I can actually strive to be I don't have to strive to be the NFL player the NBA player I can strive to be the NFL exec Mm -hmm. or run this company or run this Mm -hmm. account and honestly that's really more what we need we want to have more engagements and conversations and when they tell you that as a ball player that you're not able to, you know, use your platform. Okay, well, let's get into some of these other avenues. Let's get mm-hmm. into some of these other industries where we can saturate and make them more brown and black. That way we can actually have yeah. what they say a seat at the table. Yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 and before we transition to our our sports topics, I agree with that. I stamp that 100%. It's just important for, for people outside of the game to see that these are positive Correct. young men. And playing this game, working in this game, because right. right now, you know, and I mean, we're not here. We're not. We don't work for the NFL or anything, right? We're not here to, you know, to, to save it. But I do think that there's this idea again of that, you know, all these these. The, I don't like the idea that these players are just a bunch of, you know, idiots that right. are just being Jobs. run by by all these rich, you know, um, billionaire evil white men. I don't know anybody in that situation, but I know that there are brothers like you. And sisters out there that are working hard in the game in all sports that are doing great things. So, man, congratulations, bro, for being Mr. Forbes. That is your name for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Forbes is in the in the building, man. All right.
So let's get to the nitty gritty, man. Let's talk sports. And um, there's been a lot going on in the world of sports, especially in the NFL. This year has been a hectic, you know, interesting season, <laughs> to, say um, to say the least. And with all the other stuff, one thing that's kind of gotten swept under the rug, I won't say swept under the rug, but not as much attention in years past because of all of the outside situations with the, with the NFL is actually player safety, right? That's right. usually the number one story each season. This year has kind of come secondary until recently. We had a, a Bengals-Steelers game that was um, – Intense, yes, to say the least. Um, we definitely send our prayers up to um to uh, Vontez. You know, we want him to 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 get well and and, yes, and recover. You know, um, have a speedy recovery. Um, but there was a lot of hard hits in that game. A lot of a lot of um crazy situations. There was some some fines handed down, some yeah. suspensions, I believe, handed down. Yeah, I think one game suspensions. Yeah, and then you had the Gronkowski situation. We're gonna get into all of that, but I want to talk to you, sir, just about um just about player safety in 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 general man and um um help people kind of understand what what the union does in regards to to player safety and helping the players you know have healthy lifestyles and such i mean so player safety is probably at the forefront of you know our job at the union like Mm -hmm. that's something that's non-negotiable that's something we'll never negotiate when Mm -hmm. in terms of players health and safety um we've cut back you know over the time looking at the collective bargaining agreement cut back the times amount of times guys are, you know, practicing yes. and amount of equipment and, you know, because we understand this is a full throttle. Like, the game is getting faster and people are getting bigger and stronger. Right. And right. so, of course, we want player safety. We want injuries to come down. I mean, but just looking at the nature of the business that we're in, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a competitive sport. It's a physical sport. Um, and so I think any way we can help to make the game safer and, and with uh, the players' leadership in that and mm-hmm. their voice in that, I think that's one something that we, you know, we strive for. Um, yeah, has it been uh, a rash of injuries? There have been injuries every year. I yeah, mean, people say you look at the stats; injuries haven't gone up or down. I mean, yeah. injuries exist. Um, looking at the the nature of the, the business that we do and the industry that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I say, I say all that to say, um, will we strive to make the game safer? Yes. Or what that looks like, we'll see. Right, mm-hmm. right, and and that's a good point. What that looks like, I think it's so early on. We we've just gotten all the research and things like that. Right, and the game is what it is. You know, you just talked about how you got injured playing just, just mm-hmm. street football. I've been injured playing street football, basketball, whatever. It's, it's a contact sport, yeah. right? But you are right that there are bigger, faster players. You know, guys are trained their entire lives to to get to this point, and they're like at the peak condition, right? So you know, I, I guess I would ask you, and and and. If you can answer this, answer the best you can. Um, where do the players stand on this? Because you, you, we, we've seen internal arguments about whether what this should be allowed, what that should be allowed. Where do the players stand on one a days yep. instead of two a days and things like that? I mean, just like any large group of mm-hmm. people, you know, everybody's not going to be in agreement about everything. I mean, you get some guys, you know, we've heard, you know, Mike Mitchell, who, you know, the game is physical. You know what you signed up for. Mm-hmm. This is that's football. Then the other guys that look. I'm thinking about, you know, my kid being able to walk, you know, right. when I'm done finished playing and I have kids. Um, and so we've made help benefits better for former players and things like that. And so it's always going to be a split, I think. Mm-hmm. I think our job is to make sure that the players are knowledgeable, mm-hmm. um, that we bring everybody together and come to, come to a consensus. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what that looks like, again, we'll see. Um, our, that's the good thing about the work that we do, and I can speak for the leadership that we have um, yeah. under the executive director, D. Smith. Um, he does a good job of, of vouching and fighting for the players in terms of player uh, health and safety. Like I said, he's beat us into our brains. That's number one mm-hmm. at the top of the agenda when we when we talk about negotiating uh, with the NFL. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
What's interesting to talk about is I feel like we're actually going to have like a dual conversation. So I, I went to look up what unnecessary roughness means, right? Because mm-hmm. that's pretty much what this is and how the NFL defines it this year is a conduct or safety-related infraction such as hitting a ball carrier after he's already out of bounds, piling on a ball carrier who's already down or violent contact with an opponent who is away from and out of the play. Mm-hmm. What I get confused by is if we're going to look at the Steelers and the Bengals game, Mike Mitchell brings up this point in, the, in several tweets that he mentions, and right. he compares this to the Gronk situation, yeah. whereas Gronk kind of went out of his way yeah. to make a unnecessary roughness play on someone, right. you know, a defensive, defenseless, defenseless, defenseless player, player yeah. whereas the players between the Steelers and the Bengals are playing merely playing football, yeah, a, but they just are playing game. it at a more high, violent, intense yeah. level that technically this is how we – or me, kind of grew up on football back in right. the 80s and the 90s. Right. So we're kind of having two different conversations because mm-hmm. if we're going to, you know, be striving to increase um, better and effective player safety, well, then looking at things like what Gronkowski did would kind of deviate away from that. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I, I imagine that there's levels to, you know, unnecessary roughness, mm-hmm. right? There's like accidental, incidental, unnecessary roughness. And then there's like, I'm literally trying to hurt right, you. Like right, like flagrant, basically. Right. But here's... here's Here's what I would ask, and and what I don't know because I don't I'm not in the union I'm not an NFL player right. What did the players learn? What is the process of a player coming from college right where the rules are different? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you're down, you don't have to be physically touched to be down in in in, right. in mm-hmm. college right? Okay, when they come into the league, what do they get like the rule book? How do they That's learn the rules? Yeah, so I know um, from the team level on the team level that they do have officiators officiating. Okay. Um, Representatives come in and right. talk to the guys, sit like literally in an auditory room, yeah. and go through. Here's what a hold is. Here's mm. what an unnecessary reference call. Like literally showing videos. Right. They come in and talk about rule changes. Mm-hmm. Um, guys get a sense of work, and at the end of the day, the coaches, you know, share that with the guys too because they don't want to lose like a yeah. player for one or two weeks. Yeah. But when you look at something like <clears throat> unnecessary roughness, it's not so black and white. Like mm. you can't look at it as black and white because. Say if you accidentally rough somebody up, like literally accidentally, mm-hmm. like it's not that black. Like you know that, but yeah. you know the viewer or the referee can they see that? No. So right. Um, that again, will changes come to that? Maybe so. We'll yeah. see. Um, this past week we've seen a lot of things in the news about you know the Gronkowski and Mike Mitchell and things like that. Yeah. Um, fines are in place. They're allowed to appeal them. They go through mm-hmm. appeal process. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get a chance to you know explain their case before a, a, an official. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but they are knowledgeable about some of the rule changes, and and, and I know yeah. coaches, you know, kind of overview and go over those things with their players as well. So yeah, I think it, I'm sorry, Dan. No, I was going to say bringing that point back to the coaches. Um, yeah, you would hope that they would implement that more at a more surface level. Mm-hmm. But then I go back to say again with how the um, NFL chooses to punish these players. What's one game? Mm-hmm. What's really one game? Because how I looked at the Gronk thing was maybe it should be tiered. If you go after a player and you're going because you're angry or, just, or you know, out of spite, well, what if he actually gets injured? What's, yeah. what's one game? I still kind of feel like the NFL didn't necessarily get this totally right on mm-hmm. this end because they're still trying to work out kinks, and this is yet another new issue on top of a slew of other issues that the NFL is being highlighted in. Mm-hmm. But – now, what does that system look like? What does the punishment system look like? Because if you have players really saying that, okay, for, for somebody like Gronk that makes a lot of money or that plays on a great team where he can be missing for one game and it's not really going to be a lot of hoopla, are you going to have more guys willing to take that punishment, yeah. willing to take that hit? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, 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 a, <laughs> that's a difficult one, man. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's – Because it I mean, will make you, you all's job a lot harder trying to – Yeah. 
kind of play both sides of it. You still right. don't mean? Yeah, right. it is. And, it's, and it's, it's a touchy subject. It's a difficult situation because, you know, you look at Gronk and out of frustration or whatever he, right. he did. Um, but I, I think you, you make a good point. It's not as black and white as people think. Like, mm-hmm. these scenarios have to be handled one-on-one. Like, there mm-hmm. should be no blanket, like, uh, this is on a like, – you get this and that. Like, that's why the fines tier. That's yeah. why the amount they pay tier. That's why the suspensions tier because – I mean, I think you have to deal with each individual situation, you know, for what it is. Right. Yeah, and that's why they have an opportunity to to appeal, appeal. and things like that. Because I, mean, this is a good point, right? I think that you know, and 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 correct me if I'm wrong. NFL contracts, if you miss a game, you do miss a check, right? Yes. Okay. So so there's a there's that consequence different than maybe in the Incentives NBA that are also in contracts, right? Like Gronk, which I did do a little research on. Uh-huh. He's going to lose not just a check, but there's mm-hmm. certain incentives because now that he's going to miss at least a game. Mm. Is he going to be able to catch this many receptions right, by the end of the year? Right, have this right, many yards? So right. it becomes a bigger issue because I started to think, like, what the hell are you appealing for? You know right. what you did. Take the one game and sit out. Y'all yeah, still going to the playoffs. But that's bread. Exactly. That's, that's but a, now right, I see right. a whole check. <clears throat> and nobody trying to sit out for a whole check. And right. because of I'm going to miss this game, now right. I might not meet certain markers. And in my opinion, why not appeal it, to be honest with you? Even if, even if that were the case, I'd appeal it just to, just to you never know, right? <laughs> but but I also say, like, you know, again, going to the Mike Mitchell thing in his, um, I, don't, I don't want to disrespect it by calling it a rant, but his his um, his um speech he gave in the press conference, well, yeah, press conference or what have you, right? When he was saying that there are situations where a player will overthrow another player and they have to, like, dive for the ball or stretch out for the ball. He say, I'm aiming for his gut. The guy, you know, lowers his his um lowers his target all of a sudden. I see this every every week. I see this. So somebody will lower their target. You see the guy already going down. All of a sudden, it becomes a helmet to helmet hit. Right. So again, I'm and this is not that you know we're not putting my man on the stand here, but I, I think it is interesting. I think the great point is that we're going to have to see over time what this looks like, and I think that's why it's not fair to me for people to make these like. These st- take these stances like, you know, we got to take this out when at the end of the day they're playing a game. They're co- trying to control their bodies at full speed. Right. Someone sh- someone lowers their target on you. You aiming at their gut. All of a sudden now they go from six feet to four feet right. and you hit them in the head. There should be a punish- punishment for that. There should be a, you know, there should be something done for that. But what happens to that person's career? What happens to, do you take a game check away from them? Yeah. Do you suspend them? What do you do? You know? Yeah. And, in the discussion, yeah, and you, you make a good point. I mean, it's, it's always easy to look at stuff when it's slowed down. You go frame mm-hmm. by frame. But, mm-hmm. you know, these guys, the intensity that these guys play at, the competitiveness of how fast things are going, these bang, mm-hmm. bang plays, it's just not, it's not, like I say again, it's not as black and white as you can make it seem. Mm-hmm. It's always easy to slow things down and look at it like, oh, you, you know, helmet to yeah. helmet. I mean, but when you're in the middle of a, a football field, you can only go but so far left and right. Yeah. And you're yeah. going at top speed. Yeah. Because that's how you've been coached since Little League. I right. Mean. So, um, will we change the way to tackle? Like, I mean, it's. I think the thing is, at least we're having a conversation now mm-hmm. because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I think everybody wants to see a safer game, right? Right, and so. see that, and that's the, that's why I was going to go with the next. Right, there's the other side of it, right? Because we're we're fans and we're going, man, let them boys play football, let them hit this, mm-hmm. that, another. But then you have, you know, you you have players like OC Humiora comes out as like, look, man, we. You know, we have to change things up a little bit. So from a fan standpoint, help the fans understand why it's important for the game to be safer. Because it's, I don't think some fans understand that, you know, these aren't robots on the field. Just mm-hmm. rock with soccer. You yeah. know what I mean? No, I mean, it's 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 a dangerous game to play. I mean, mm-hmm. whenever injury is involved in something that you do every day for a job, I mean, right. that's dangerous. Right. And I look at, again, the career span for a player is average is three years. So you're talking about 
by 26, 27, the guy's retiring, mm-hmm. and he has the rest of his life to live for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would I would hope that people want the, that person to live healthy. Right. Um, and so that, I mean, I understand the need and the want for people to have more aggression and, and more hits and things like that, but that's just not safe, right? right. Um, and so, again, I think, you know, our stance is we want to have player safety, right? Right. Um, and, and, and the ways that we, we can make change and have that happen to make the game safer, that's to be discussed with the league. And, and our players are in, the, in, in those meetings and, and offering their insight and opinion on what they think the changes that can be made. Um, are all guys going to be in agreement? No. Which industry company do you have where they are? Um, but the goal is to come to a consensus on what player safety looks like going forward. Mm-hmm. There have been changes over the year, moving to kickoffs um, and things like that. And it, there have been changes to penalties. You know, at the collegiate level, guys get suspended a game or kicked out the game for targeting and headshots and things like that. Um, and so I think there's a need. And then also, too, they're role models. But you got kids watching this, these things. Mm-hmm. And you have things that the NFL are doing in terms of, like, heads up and, like, changing the way kids tackle and things like that. So, right. I mean, I think the one thing that all, everyone can be in agreement is everyone, everybody wants to see the game safer. How we get there, that's the part that we have to figure out. Absolutely. So let's talk about Goodell. Um, you know, we for us on OPA, we, we've had a lot of discussions about Roger Goodell. Um, our opinion on him is what it is. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, it's been an interesting season because his contract has been up and there's been public mm-hmm. debate about whether or not he should, you know, be re-signed or, 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 or not. And he has been. And he did get that, that uh, big contract. I don't know if he got the jet or well, not. extension. You know, extension, excuse me. I don't know if he got the jet or not. I, I actually hope he got the jet. Hey, man, get your jet, <laughs> get your jet bro. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Hey, I would want a private jet, too. I don't care what nobody say. But uh-huh. <laughs> but um, what does it mean for the, for the, for the players on the player side um, for the commissioner to get his extension? Um, and is there a CB? CBA coming up? Is there is there a negotiation coming yep. up? CBA 2020. Right. Um, and so I think what it means for the players right now is we know who you know who we're up again negotiating with and bargaining right. with. Right. So it's not like there's a new person coming to office that we have to figure out what stance they take yeah. and their perception and things like that. So yeah. um, we know who we're dealing with up into the CBA yeah. and, and leading up. We know what um, – you know, player discipline looks like because mm-hmm. the guy that hands out those disciplines is still in that office, mm-hmm. is still in that chair. Mm-hmm. In terms of his conversation, it means nothing for us. The owners mm-hmm. felt like he was the best person at the seat. They right. feel like he's done the um, he's done pretty well for the entire of his contract, so they mm-hmm. offer him an extension. Mm-hmm. You got some opposition from other from some owners, as you've seen played out in the news. Right. Uh, but for players, I think it, I think it's I think it's a good thing that we know who we're who we're up against right. in terms of like bargaining and negotiating and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So so two questions then. Was that the case last time? I know I don't I know you probably weren't in the room mm-hmm. last time, but just from you know, just from what you may have heard, was that the case last time that yo, this is a newer commissioner, it's not um um Paul Tagliabue, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's it's a new commissioner. We need to figure him out and that was that the reason why, you know, it took a little longer and there was a mm-hmm. lockout and things like that. That's the first question and, and then the second question is just to clarify for the listener, um, the collective bargaining agreement from you guys' standpoint, from the player standpoint, yep. y'all don't y'all not tripping off what the owners do with with their with the with the owner and this and other. You're just more concerned about what happens on the field and what happens with the actual players that are playing the game. Yeah, so with the I'll start with the collective bargaining agreement is mm-hmm. essentially a document or a set of agreements that we negotiate mm-hmm. with the league and, and the players vote on the things that they want. Right. It covers anything from compensation, player rules, things like uh, practice time, and things like that. So right. when we look at us as a union, we don't have a vote or a say. We go and bargain on behalf of the players with the NFL. 
And so when you look at collectively bargaining, so you talk about the the, the notion of, oh, guys going to play, if guys want guaranteed contracts. Well, understand it's a bargain. You give something, you take some. So would you be willing to have guaranteed contracts if you play 18 games, 16, like 17 games? Like, and so you got to bargain back and forth. And so that's literally what the CBA is. And that, you go back to 2011, that's where the lockout came from, mm-hmm. right? You have to come into an agreement on what you're willing to give up and what you want. Like yeah. what's most important to you? Number one for us is player safety. Right. Um, and then you talk about the contracts, okay? There's been a lot of talk about contracts over the years, looking at what NBA players make. If you want half guaranteed contracts, guaranteed contracts, understand that the league will ask for something in return. Mm-hmm. And so the point is, what are you willing to give up or take and, you know, and, and, and bargain through that? Right. In 2011, yeah, I was working at Lockheed Martin at this time. Um, but, again, the the reason for the holdout and the lockout was that guys wanted to come to an agreement with the league. Like, yeah. there were some things that – we weren't upon an agreement on. Um, and so guys wanted, you know, certain things added into the CBA. Mm-hmm. The owners were in certain things. So we have to come to a happy medium on what that looks like. Right. Um, right. And so 2020, I think we'll come up to the same thing mm-hmm. um, where we'll, there are some high priority things that guys yeah. want. Uh, and so each year we travel to each team and do a team meeting and if a PA union meeting, we talk to guys like, mm-hmm. Hey, what's on your, what's on the plate here? Are some things we need to talk about. When we talk about you know gearing up for the, for uh, the the CBA run expiring, what are some of the things that are at the forefront of what you want? Like, and so yeah. we know going in how do we prep for that, and then at the end of the day talking to the guys like, look, what are you willing to give up, or right. like what are you willing to negotiate on, or things right. like that. So, all this is important uh, again for our for our listener, you know, that doesn't understand, you know, that, you know they, they live their lives, they don't know, they the CBA, okay, whatever. But I think it's important for a lot of things that's been discussed in the news and then and then you know within on on the fieldness and others that there is a negotiation coming up and that they have people on their behalf yep. that negotiates for them. I think people really need to understand that right. because sometimes they call for players to do things that I'm like, yo, they haven't. Yeah. And I felt the same way. I know this isn't, you know, you aren't an NBA guy, but I felt the same way with the Clippers when they had their situation a couple of years ago. And everybody, they need to not, I'm like, they have a union. Yeah. Right. And their union took They're care to of their situation. Yeah. And I think people really need to understand that so they won't lay the hammer down on yeah, players. players yeah. Right. So another interesting racial news. There's a, <laughs> Wait a minute. Go ahead. I'm just saying. I'm uh-huh. so tired of the black and white stuff, but this is the world that we live in. So racial news. There was basically a video that came out, what, last week? There's a video comparison of Odell Beckham going off, mm-hmm. and there's another video with Tom Brady. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody knows Tom Brady, the quarterback of the Patriots. Sorry, the wide receiver, Odell Beckham of the Giants. Mm-hmm. There's two video comparisons of them basically being very passionate about mm-hmm. something in football. And it causes a huge ass problem, <laughs> a really big problem. So now people are stating that, um, I guess, Odell Beckham's childish ways should not be compared to the same ways of what Tom Brady the would great be. Tom so Brady. let me go ahead and play devil's advocate here. My opinion on this is that, yes, Odell Beckham basically is being, one, true to himself, and then, mm-hmm. two, he compared himself to Tom Brady. He said that he looks up to Tom Brady, so he's emulating something that he's already saw. Mm-hmm. The only issue with this is, and I guess this is the big blanket opinion that most people had that were kind of turned off by this, mm-hmm. was basically that Odell Beckham has only been in the league for like 2.2 seconds. And although he's a great, <laughs> phenomenal player, yes. you have no jewelry. Hey. Sometimes in conversations hey. when you have no jewelry, you have no stance. So jewelry. With Tom Brady being the GOAT, <laughs> yeah. 
it makes it kind of tricky. So my compar- my my example to you was mm-hmm. when a lot of people complain about LeBron oh, skipping skipping, skipping to the basket. Yes. You know they want certain calls, but when you are one of the greatest players or the greatest yeah. player in the league, you know yeah. you kind of get that little leeway. So yeah. does Odell the 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 question here is does Odell have a valid point? Me, oh. I say yes, mm-hmm. but I also see the other side as well too. Before I answer that, can I can I can I suggest something for the show for the future? <sighs> Can we have some type of sound effect or, or bad sound or something that every time you mention the name LeBron James? Yes, I think we should do that. Because uh, you find a way to bring him up in any, yes. it doesn't matter. But we can talk about heart gr- surgery and you go, but LeBron got a lot of heart, you see. He definitely does. All right, here we go. Okay. Um, does, I think it's, so does he have a point? Yes. Do fans that were complaining about a guy comparing themselves to who many consider the GOAT? Mm-hmm. And for many people, he stamped being the GOAT in the Super Bowl last year. Yes. And if we take it away from, you know, the black man and the white man aspect of it, right? And we could get into that. Right. But if we take it away from that just for a second, and, and, and if you got like a, yeah, if if um the Greek freak is putting up a video highlight of him and LeBron, and they're doing similar things, and he's trying to say, I'm LeBron, then people are going to go, no, bruh, you're not LeBron James. You're a really great player. You could possibly be LeBron James one day, but you are not LeBron James. You know what I mean? So I used to hate that when people did that early on with Kobe, mm-hmm. when they would show like a video clip of like Kobe and Jordan literally looking the same way, shooting the fade away. And I'm like, yo, that's not Jordan. No, don't do that. Like, that's just disrespectful. But hold on. Me. Now. Technically, Kobe was a damn creep. Kobe made sure he <laughs> emulated. I'm talking about from the hand thing to the chewing of the gum see, to snatching them damn pants off. That's being <laughs> a creep. Snatching the pants off. Kobe, <laughs> Kobe. Now, listen, Kobe is actually a good example for what you're talking about, though, right? Even though mm-hmm. Odell is a receiver and, and um, Brady is a quarterback, right? So it would actually make more sense if we had a quarterback right. that acted like that. But I can I can see what he's saying or what he may have cleaned it up by saying is like, yo, this is a guy. I, I only reason I'm intense is because I watched this guy be intense right. for years. I don't necessarily believe that. I think right. he was using it as an excuse to be overly intense, and he found another guy to be like, "Look, I, he does right. it too." I don't think he watched Tom Brady for no. years and was like, "I'm going to do that." No. I think he just, <laughs> I think he was trying to make some interesting points that that didn't really resonate with people. You know well, what let's mean? be honest. First of all, he should he has the right to make the opinion that he wants to make. Oh, one hundred percent. He wants to. I mean, come on. We've all seen the antics of this guy, but on the flip side of that given the space that he's been given and given the opportunities he's been given, he's a phenomenal wide receiver. Now, right. football is a team sport, so because he doesn't have the jewelry for it, it isn't solely on him. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I'm kind of with you. I think he made a point and then found some evidence to use towards his point, and now we have this this color thing. Because this mm-hmm. isn't the first time, at least me, that, I ha- that I've seen Tom Brady going off no. you know, on a player. Yeah. And he is very passionate about it. And you are going to yeah. give him the leeway. Not necessarily first because he's white, yeah. but more so first because it's Tom fucking Brady. Now, let me, and just to be clear, I'm have I seen, and I'm asking this, just a genuine question. Have I seen Tom Brady go on a player or have I seen him like yelling? Because I know he's yelled at, he loves yelling at Coaches. that coach, yeah. at that offensive coordinator. It's something about them two where they get right, into Right, their dynamic. It. Because the more famous one was the, the Redskin game years ago when he was going off. What's his name? I can't even think of the coach. He used to coach the Broncos. Josh McDaniel. Josh McDaniel. Like, it's something about them two. They just, they like to argue. But I'm only, I'm asking genuinely. Right, well, that's important to know. Yeah, has he yelled at players? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And and honestly, even if he has, it's mm-hmm. the intensity of the game. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. going to pull more. Look, right. we're going back to LeBron. Everybody doesn't like his antics to get 
you know, riling players up. However, mm-hmm. it works. When you're a leader, you may have to step outside the box. So, yeah. a, again, playing devil's advocate, okay, Odell, your antics seem to be a little bit more mm-hmm. – uh, Selfish, And I think that's how people look at them because yeah. you're not gearing up the team. A lot of the stuff that you're doing is solely on you where I feel like Tom Brady is you're fighting for the whole offense because mm-hmm. you're all trying to push the offense. So there are different comparisons. I think the bigger issue is that, I mean, he made a statement. Yeah. I mean, but it's not but that he, big of a he made it. He made a statement. He made a statement. But this show is called Opinionators. You know what? And people, one thing I, I don't like, and I see this from a lot of like local sports media is that, they is this new thing where fans, people like telling fans to shut up, shut the fuck, you shut up, you know what I mean? And I think fans have the right to have an opinion, right? So, like, you earn equity, like, you earn the benefit of doubt from winning, right? right. The last thing we saw from Odell Beckham, God bless him, is is him going out on the stretch. Like, that's not his fault. Right. But before that, the last thing we saw from Odell Beckham was him partying on the boat. Right. Before a playoff game. Right. Like, you don't see, now, again, put the race thing to the side. You don't see Tom Brady doing that. What, what, no. what the, 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 idea of a guy like Tom Brady or even a Kobe or even a Jordan. Only reason I didn't put LeBron in this conversation before you I don't want you to go off is that LeBron shares his personal life a lot more than right. those other guys. Those when we looked at Kobe, Jordan, Brady, that that cut of of athlete, you think all they do is sit around and, and look at film and prepare mm-hmm. for the game, right? So you don't know what Tom Brady does. We know he has a you know a beautiful wife and and he and kids. He, and kids and he's you know he's you know he's successful, but he seems to only care about the game of football. Correct. With Odell, there's an idea that he doesn't that he's he's living a life. You as know what he mean? should. He's as what he 22, 23, 24. He's a young athlete. As he should. So, but when he puts himself out there and compares himself to a guy that looks like a machine and has won six Super Bowls and is the goat. And we many have a people, problem. we have a problem. So I don't, I don't. Again, I don't think that the fans should be eliminated from that conversation. He has the right to say whatever he wants, right? But they have the right to go, Nah, yeah. son, you are not. Yeah, you want to be reactionary to a statement mm-hmm. he said. I mean, and like you said, you made a great point before. I mean, I think he made that statement and then kind of like dug in his bag of tricks to try mm-hmm. to figure out. Well, let me go find the perfect example of you know, mm-hmm. like a shut the f up thing. Like if mm-hmm. this is my video and this is his video, and you tell me where the differences lie. There's a lot of differences that lie. The main difference is that yeah. when you're not winning right, and when you are a phenomenal football player and you've had the ability to show it and you're 40 and you're still out here shucking yeah. and jiving and, and getting ready to head to another Super Bowl, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's not going to really go that well. Shucking and jiving. Uh, yeah. So here's the thing. it it If you are <laughs> – I've never seen I, – I don't, I don't like the idea – of people tripping off. Cause I just said the fans have the, the right to say whatever you want. Right. But I also think it's not in your benefit to keep tripping off what people saying about you. I get that you're human. I understand it. I, I'm not in your position either. I'm not a, no, the camera's not on me 24 seven. Right. But Tom Brady has had up and down years, like never statistically, but just like he's, there's been years where he didn't win. Right. Right. They were, there have been years when they were like, yo, I remember there was a time where they were like, yo, the, the, the Patriots hadn't been to the Super Bowl for like three years straight. And people were like, well, what's going on here? Right. You don't see him put out a video or make a statement like you are, everybody's on my case. Mm-mm. This, that, another, what he does is, is win. try to win. Right. And again, race to the side, I'm just talking about two men here. You know what I mean? With Odell, it seems like with, when players or when, I'm sorry, when fans say something, he has a reaction, right? So there's that aspect of it. There is the, the human-to-human aspect of it. I do see where he may, I, and I want to make up a point for this man. I, this is my opinion. I do see where he may be coming from where it's like, yo, if this guy from this, you know, 
race of people acts like this because I'm a black man. People treat me differently if I just show as much passion on the field for for a sport I love. So if that if that was a point he may have been trying to make, and we don't know. And it sounds like it was right. because let's be right. honest here. If we're going to be honest and share our opinion, yeah. when white people or lesser than brown people yell, mm-hmm. it's called passion. Right. When browner or blacker people yell, it's, it's called aggression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I think maybe if you're going to, if you're going to be that bold, take it all the way there. Yeah. Call a spade yeah, what a I'm spade saying. is because I feel right. like you were saying something and then right. tried to backpedal and try to right. put up America's, uh, uh, um, America's, uh, greatest um, quarterback up, yeah. and it didn't really fault that well for you yeah. because you're not going to find the comparisons for all of the reasons that you just said. But yeah. if I'm calling a spade a spade, basically I think that's the point that he's trying to make. Y'all are tripping off of me yelling, and this white man is doing the same thing. And yeah. we all know why that's for. When we yell, mm-hmm. meaning black and brown, mm-hmm. it is seen as aggression, mm-hmm. whereas whiter or lighter folks yell in the same manner. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. they are so passionate about this idea or yeah. this topic or this. Yeah. Let's get your thoughts on this. Just Uh-oh. as a just as an NFL uh enthusiast, not the NFL PA hat off, you're welcome to take that off as we end the show, but just give us your opinion on this. I mean, I think I mean two valid I mean y'all both make two valid points. I mm-hmm. think what we can agree on is both of them are great at what they do and both of them are very passionate about what they do. Right. Um you've seen that in both quote unquote good and bad ways. Mm-hmm. Uh but the passion that they both show is the reason they're so that makes them great. Like, yeah. That makes them stand out. Um, and so Odell made a point. I mean, he showed two guys that are both passionate about and, and they want to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess my opinion on it is, I mean, makes a valid point. You know? Yeah. They both are the same. It's based on, you know, his perception from fans, like how right. his fans, how his fans perceive him. And that's, why, maybe why he gets the backlash, backlash that he does. Absolutely. If he had three Super Bowls and was doing it, so if he had six, five yeah. Super Bowls and was doing it, yeah. his perception may look a little different. <clears throat> Absolutely. And just to broaden it a bit before we do transition to our uh, WTF, just to broaden it a bit because there, there's the two individuals and then there's the race aspect that we want to go there. But just the idea of football players, because to me, again, we talk about this a lot on the show. Like I, I – you know, sometimes it's like you damned if you do, damned if you don't as mm-hmm. a pro athlete, right? Like you want, we want them to give them, give us their all on the field. We want to entertain it from a fan's aspect. Mm-hmm. We want to be entertained on the field, but then we also want them to, you know, shut your mouth, this, that, and another, right? When it's a game and it's a passionate game, right? So even, even from, you know, I don't know if the union would get involved with this, but how, how would you, you know, how how do you deal with a player when he's like, yo, man, I'm I'm kind of confused, right? There's a lot of pressure on me to to put on a public perception, but I'm also a passionate player. Like, how do you how do you deal with that? I mean, from a brand, because I talk to these guys a lot. Like, you, each of these guys are a brand, mm-hmm. and so what do you want your brand to be? Yeah, like Odell's brand. You know, everybody knows he's passionate mm-hmm. about the about playing football, and he's he eccentric. shows it. Yeah, right. And but that fits for him though, because it's worked yeah. out in some great ways too. It's Absolutely. got him some endorsement deals. Yeah, uh, you see him in commercials, and he has his own like uh, aura or how people view him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then also from a fan perspective, it could show off as just like whining or right. and so. Just know that going in, look, each of you guys are our individual brand. Mm-hmm. Will Odell be the same player? Would he get the endorsements if he didn't talk at all? And just right. play? No, I mean, there are a lot of receivers out there that have put up similar numbers to him um, mm-hmm. that are not as, as eccentric as, as he is. So. Yeah. You know, we had a, a all-time great here. He broke the record for um, standing ovation at his Hall of Fame induction, right? Talking mm-hmm. about Art Monk, right? And that was a guy who was quiet, but it took him 
years yeah. to get into the Hall of Fame. Sure. Michael Irv and all Good these point. people got in because they were talkers right. and they were and people knew who they were. Art Monk had no brand. And yeah. and that's that was good for him. I'm sure if Armand was sitting here right now, he'd be like, "I'm a happy person." Right. That was me. That was for me. So again, I think that's an important point. Besides, you know, between Tom Brady and Odell, is that you know Mitchell made that point. He was saying like, "Yo, y'all calling me a, a creep and a, and, a, and a dirty player, but I I donate money to Cincinnati every right. day. I'm from there, right?" So I think I can see that struggle for a player. He's like, "Yo, at the, I do what I do on the field because that's what I'm supposed to do as a man, as a human." I'm still a human being. I'm still a good. I don't have to right. be a bad person just because I may be a, a, a menacing player right. or a passionate player. I mean, and that goes more to the fans to mm-hmm. kind of check their perceptions exactly. and stop trying. It's I, maybe I shouldn't say this. Stop trying to be so damn opinionated mm-hmm. about everything. <laughs> Let's try yeah. to just hone down some of these opinions to stuff that doesn't even matter. Odell yeah. is who Odell is. Like I said, he's a phenomenal player. You make a great point. Closed mouths don't get fed if he's quiet. Maybe people don't know who he is. I mean, mm-hmm. his play will probably speak for itself. I mean, if yeah. you're going to be around here catching one-handed balls, people are going to find out who you are anyway. But mm-hmm. for me, I would just try to come back best next year mm-hmm. and just shut everybody up. Yeah, so again, and, and to wrap it up, this is twofold. It's, it's fans. Yeah, fans have the right to speak. And you, as a player, you have to understand that the fans are going to talk, especially in this new age with Twitter and, and social exactly. media. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. But on the other end, you know, uh, these are human beings that are playing the game, and you want them to give you to give you their all. Yeah, it was funny when Odell kicked the, the kick, especially that <laughs> happened in the Skins game, and I thought it was the best. So, yeah, I, I laughed my ass off when that thing smacked him in the head. I also cried when he dogged us in the last exactly. game of the season, and we missed the playoffs <laughs> because of him playing a half. Okay, so you know we want the we want the we want it we want the passion we want you know to give their all want them to give their all. The thing about Tom Brady that makes him great is that he cares that much about that game, right? You know what I mean. The thing about Odell that makes him great is that he cares that much about the game, funny right. or not. So they both make valid points. Yes. All right. All right. It's time for my favorite segment. Of the in, in the entire world, <laughs> we like to call this one the WTF. Yes, yes, yes. So today we got um, the Ball family, and I, I hate talking about them. Yeah, I'm right? not a fan. But I actually should suggested this one because they 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 managed to stay in the news, and I think at some point we're going to understand that Mr. Ball is a, is a bit of a marketing genius. And he knows how to stay in your eye line. He knows how to hit and he got me this time, okay? Mm-hmm. Because we all know, um, it, you know, unless you've been living on the rock, you know that his son, um, um, Leangelo, they call him Jello. This is this would be the middle son. This would be the middle son. Um, was in, in China. He decided to uh, you know, use his hands for things he shouldn't, and he Klepto. stole some stuff. He clipped though. He stole some stuff. Kids do dumb things, right? Um he was locked up over there. Donald Trump had to get involved. We all know the story. They Pops and Trump get into an argument. Boom, it's over, right? Got a kid's home. He's on indefinite suspension from the school, which he should be because exactly. it's, it's, you know, he did some dumb shit overseas, right? And represent the team, you know, in the wrong way. So, um, <laughs> what's the dad in LeVar, right? I always mix them up. LeVar, is, Lonzo is, is the Lakers. He's the actual player. Yeah, okay. LeVar didn't like the suspension, decided to pull his son out of school. Because of the suspension. So his son was, was at UCLA, decided to pull his son out of school, basically saying that Leangelo is probably going to play overseas or, or figure something out so he can get into the, to the league. When they asked him about it, 
why did you pull your son? He said he didn't like the suspension and he felt like he wasn't getting enough playing time. Well, hold on. Let me also ask. This actually impacts the youngest son trying to get into this school as well in the future. Yes, his son okay. was his son is committed to UCLA. Now, this is just stuff I've heard from the grapevine. This is I've never do obviously I haven't talked to anybody at UCLA myself, right? This is from TV, me watching TV, right? Um, they basically saying that, you know, that that relationship could be done, but he also has another problem because he has a shoe deal which violates NCAA regulations. And that might be it, the bigger issue as to why he's pulling his son out. Right. Bang. <laughs> and that's why this is a WTF because to me, and I, I'm not going to go into exploiting kids. I, I I don't like when people go there because I don't know any parents intent. I could judge from the outside. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, that man exploiting. I don't know about that. Right. But I do know that that money is on his mind. And the money getting the money now is on his mind, right? right. I do get the feeling that that you know, LeVar may may see not a 15 minutes, but a short period of time for him to capitalize off of this big ball of brand thing, especially considering the way that Alonzo is playing. Correct. And that's exactly where I was going to go. See, the people that have actually, the people that believe Trump mm-hmm. doing his little mess, the Twitter fingers and all mm-hmm. that, are the same kind of people that believe this LeVar mess. Mm. The guy never played. First of all, he made only, he averaged 2.2 points a game in his, I mean, excuse me, his very short and unintended basketball career. His right. son hadn't even played yet. Yeah. And we got all this hype in comparison to him and Michael Jordan, him and LeBron James, him mm-hmm. and Steph Curry. And to me, in my opinion, he's not even the best damn player on the Lakers. No. So he's actually bamboozling people and bamboozling you mm-hmm. out of your money by being yeah. a, you know, a really proud father and a really proud black father. And I really feel like he's kind of playing on some of those emotions that we have and gaining that traction where mm-hmm. it's like, Whose brand is this? Who's yeah. who's benefiting from this? Yeah. You as the parent yeah. of players that may not even be good yeah. or the kids. Yeah. Because this is not a Lonzo problem. We're talking about sports yes. here. It's not a Lonzo problem. Lonzo has done nothing wrong. Exactly. This is a LeVar yeah. Ball, non-basketball, right. non-sport right. issue. Listen. There was, I think it was like the 2012 draft or the 2013 draft when, it, when it, the class wasn't that great. I think like Otto Porter was like the number three pick in that draft, right? And a lot Otto Porter was allowed to struggle for about three years because there wasn't all this hype that all the Porter going to be better right. than, you know. That's the thing. Like, Lonzo Ball may not be – listen, I, Lonzo Ball could be the next Jason Kidd or he could be the next Steve Blake. Right. And I don't think either one is bad for Correct. him. Steve Blake was Steve Blake had like a ten year career. I was gonna in say NBA. the longevity. Okay, he won a championship, but he wasn't a star. He's not a guy that 10, 15 years from now we're gonna go, man, man, Steve Blake was like that, right? Right. So but because his father's put so much pressure on him that he has to be Jason Kidd or Bus, and he ain't, we would see it already. Correct. He ain't. So that Lonzo has done nothing wrong. Leangelo made a mistake in China. And when you put the boy on national TV, here's another WTF, by the way. You put the boy on national TV, and he goes, well, my teammates started taking stuff, so I started taking it, too. So now he's snitching. Right. I mean, okay. it's just all it – this is, the, pro, this is yeah. the, the downside of using too much of our social media and not yeah. using it the right way. I think that – just to, to put a button on this, I think that he had his intentions in the beginning were well. Right. I'm, again, I don't know that man to know that he just looked at his sons and go, I'm, I'm going to use my children and make all this money. Right. I think his intentions were well. I think we put so much attention on this man and made him to such a pop culture icon. That he's just milking it. That it's getting to his head. And he's spinning right now. He don't know what to do. And he's thinking, yo, the shoes ain't selling like that. It started off hot, but he's selling shoes to people and they're not even getting them, by right. the way. <laughs> Celebrities <laughs> right. have bought his shoe and they're like, yo, I ain't got my shoe yet. Right. You know what I'm saying? So he's he's out of control. 
And and this is why he makes the what the fuck list. This is why he makes the you gotta say it straight. That's why he made the what the fuck list. Yeah, let's go. Okay, so we want to thank you again um, for coming on the show. We know that you have a very, very busy schedule. Everyone's trying to, you know, pick at your time. I mean, this is a really, really, really big deal. You know that I'm proud of you. You know how I feel. You know that I know your story. So I'm just glad that everybody else can hear and see how phenomenal you are. Um, Again, thank you for your time. And uh, again, the magazine will be out this Tuesday, December 12th, wherever you can find a magazine. Yes, millennials, they still exist. You should be able to pick this up. And just go ahead and tell us a little bit about um, what you have going on in the future where people can, you know, if they want to get in contact with you, if you want to up your interview game some more, where can they reach you at? Um, My Twitter is DiorNFLPA. That's probably the best way to reach me, Dior, D-I-O-R. NFLPA um, in the future, man. Um, so, still doing some couple of little interviews. Um, and so, doing a full gamut of that. I'll go, go back to my high school to talk to the senior and junior class in January. Going back to my university to meet the president of Bowie State and to talk to the sports management class next Monday. Um, just making around and using my platform to kind of talk to some kids and, and provide them with some hope. Um, at the end of the day, the underdogs are making it. So, that's. Hey, we like that. We love it. The underdogs are making it. I like that one, man. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Coming through. Um, yeah, man. Follow us. Know what to do. Yes, yes, yes. That's opinionated AF on Facebook. Yep. Opinion underscore AF on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow us both. I'm at Pretty Little Danny. I'm MSR underscore Adam. Until next time, we out.